2: I'm Sarah, one of your hosts, and welcome to our Ask the Expert second series. The idea of these conversations is to continue exploring specific skills that we hope will help us all as we continue to navigate our careers and a world of work that has got a whole lot squigglier this year. One quick thing I wanted to mention before introducing this week's guests. We are taking Squiggly to the TED stage, which we are very excited and probably in equal parts nervous about. It's on the 5th of December, and we're going to be at TEDx London Women. We'll be streaming from Abbey Road, and it's going to be a fully live virtual event. It's a real extravaganza of an incredible lineup of speakers and topics, and also the TED team, who are mainly voluntary, I think if not all are voluntary, are putting on some brilliant experiences And hopefully the tickets are pretty affordable. They're either £10 or £25. And we'll also be running some competitions on Instagram to give tickets away. So perhaps keep an eye out for that. And as I said, it's a really diverse range of topics. Of course, there's squiggly, but there's things like the migrant myth, allyship, so many different topics. And it's a year where events need your support more than ever. So we would personally love to have you there with us. And please do support what looks like it's going to be an amazing event and we'll try not to panic too much about it between now and then. And speaking at TED has actually always been one of Helen and I's ambitions. And I don't think it was that secret because when we shared that we were doing it, quite a few people said, oh, well done, that's been on your bucket list for a while. And it's a really relevant one because it's the topic for this week's conversation with the amazing Shelly Arshambo. So Shelly was one of the first African-American CEOs in Silicon Valley. And she's written a book called Unapologetically Ambitious. And she really shares her insights into her own kind of personal story as to what she's achieved in her career, which is fascinating. But she's also really practical in her ideas for action that I think we can all learn from. And I just love this quote from her. She says, no matter where you're starting, no matter where you or your family have been, you too have the strength to propel yourself forward. If you're sceptical, that's okay. Stick with me. I'll walk you through it. And that's really what I think she's going to do for you all today. And I really hope you enjoy listening. As a reminder, all of these conversations are made possible by the Booper Foundation, who since 2015 have awarded over £3 million worth of grants to more than 110 organisations across the UK to improve health and well-being. As always, we'll include links to the work that they do in our podcast descriptions. And you might also be interested in listening to their new podcast on Resilience Brilliance. But for now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shelley and I'll be back at the end to say goodbye. So Shelley, thank you so much for joining us on the Squiggly Careers podcast. I really appreciate you spending time having a conversation with me today. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it, Sarah. And your book, let's start with the title because actually it was the title that got me really interested. And it's called Unapologetically Ambitious. Perhaps we could talk a bit more about that. Absolutely. And Sarah, I have a confession to make. I actually did
1: mine opposite from what most people do. I didn't even have a title for the book until after the book was written. What I set out to write was I wanted to share with people how to achieve their aspirations, how to improve their odds so they can actually get what they want, how to own their career, how to set goals and build plans. And so that's what I was writing about. And then when I got it done, I needed a title. I want ambition to be in there because ambition is just one of those words. I've always been ambitious, but then it was coming up with, okay, so ambition, ambitious, what what am I gonna write? And it was literally a conversation with a bunch of friends and we were talking about how much women apologize. I believe that women are conditioned from birth to apologize, right? Because we apologize for everything. Not when we've done things wrong, which is probably 5% of the time. The other 95 percent are just to make everybody else feel better, right? To show empathy and caring, to smooth feathers, right? To get out of a sticky situation, whatever it is, it's almost like salt. So I said, that's it. Unapologetically ambitious. We all have the right to be ambitious and we don't have to apologize for it.
2: And in your introduction, there was one particular sentence that really struck me and was success begins with figuring out what you want, then making the choices that will get you there. And I thought that was really interesting because I think during the book you explore really thinking about like what does ambitious mean to me? You know, we know that ambition is different for all of us. We don't have the same definition of success and it's certainly not a straight line kind of being successful. And then this idea of actually making the right choices for you versus what you think you should do or kind of comparing yourself to others. And I just wondered in your experience, both personally, but also you've worked with lots of different people, what do you think typically gets in the way of helping ourselves to succeed? We probably have a starting point of thinking, I perhaps have an inkling of what success looks like to me or what I might be ambitious to achieve, but then things seem to get in the way. And what what are those things in your experience?
1: Oh my goodness. I think there are a number of things. I think there are things that we get in our own way with things that are obstacles that are put in front of us and we just don't know how to get around them. So it's a combination. I talk in the book about imposter syndrome all the way through it because imposter syndrome is real. I have dealt with it my entire life and notice I didn't say early in my career, right? No, I've dealt with it all the way through. Studies show that most people suffer from imposter syndrome at some point or another, but women tend to experience it more and women of color actually experience it the most. What's imposter syndrome? Well, that's when you suddenly feel like you've got a new opportunity. People are inviting you in to join a group or you're getting a promotion or something and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm not ready. I don't know that I can do this. What'll happen when they figure out, I don't know as much as they think I know, right? I mean, all these doubts and fears and stuff kind of fill your brain. For some people, it can be paralyzing and can totally impact. Their ability to move forward and actually take advantage of some of those opportunities. So, you know, I talk in the book about how to deal with it. First is realizing everybody experiences it at some point. It's not personal, it's not you. Where does it come from? I don't know, but I honestly believe it just comes from the fact that we live in a very judgy world. And as women, we get judged more. And frankly, as a woman of color, we get judged even more because it's not just the woman factor, but it's also the black factor or the whatever minority ethnicity that you're part of. All those things play in. So it doesn't surprise me that we actually experience it more. So number one, realize it's not you. And if that doesn't work, then believe the people. So people are offering you promotion, giving you a new job, opening the door to invite you in, whatever it is. Well, they believe you can do it. So believe them. All right. If you still can't do that, then you have to look to say, all right, fine. Now you need some help. And so help is saying, look for cheerleaders. Look for people who can reinforce and strengthen you that you can call to say, oh my God, I just got this offer, but oh, I don't think I should take it because what happens when they figure out, I don't know everything, blah, 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 blah. You have somebody that's there to tell you, what are you talking about? Look at all the things you've done. You have to remind you of your capabilities, et cetera. So imposter syndrome is a big
2: one. And one of the areas I wanted to explore, because I thought this will be really interesting for our listeners, is in your book, I think it's really clear how much you love to plan. You obviously love a plan. You were really clear about where you were going and what you wanted to achieve, actually from a very young age. And I'm interested to know, within our current context, you know, we obviously we're called Squiggly Careers and we talk about there is a lot of ambiguity, change and uncertainty in work today. There's lots that we can't predict and it's actually not useful to try and predict it. And I just wondered how you reacted and responded to that. When a plan goes awry, it's particularly hard for people who are real planners.
1: Well, a couple of things. So you're right in that planning is a key aspect of my toolkit. Funny that I wouldn't say I'd love to plan, What i learned is that it was worth doing. Would it help me improve my odds to get what I wanted? And you're right. Life happens. The reason you put a plan in place is because there's a lot that you actually can control. Now, are there things that you can't? Absolutely. And when those happen, you have to change your plan, but you keep the goal the same. Perfect example is I set out when I graduated from Morton and joined IBM that I was going to be CEO of IBM. Well, that didn't happen. My first goal was to become a CEO. The key is the steps that I took to get me ready and to compete for being CEO of IBM were the same steps that I needed to do to become a CEO in general. So the planning was good. And when I realized that's probably not going to happen, I modified the plan to achieve it someplace else. So don't throw out planning because surprises happen. What I find is if you make a plan and you make decisions consistent with the plan, and let me explain what that means, if you don't mind, really where the What I call the power is a lot of people set goals. Some people put plans in place, but very few people make decisions consistent with their plans. Let me explain what I mean by that. I had my plan. My plan was I was going to graduate from college. If I could, I wanted to be married early because I wanted to be a young mom and I wanted to start working for IBM, right? All these things that I wanted to go do. Okay, well, if I wanted to get married early, then... I needed to actually start saving money for my wedding right away because my parents made it very clear they would help with college. So I actually started saving for my wedding budget, if you will, when I was in college, because even though I didn't know who I was going to marry, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I wanted it to happen sooner versus later. So I wanted to have the money ready for when I was ready to get married. Mm -hmm. So I just assumed that my plan was going to happen and therefore made decisions consistent with the plan actually happening. All of a sudden, what happens is you get lucky. So I did end up getting married right after college,
2: and I actually got lucky in that I had money to pay for my wedding. And I'm interested to know, for you, how big a role has mentoring played in your career? And also, I really liked some of the principles of mentoring that you describe in the book around just how to... Think about mentoring and being kind of open to different types of mentors. So, I just love to get kind of your point of view on that. Absolutely. So, mentoring and
1: mentors has been huge. And nobody, honestly, nobody achieves all the things they want to achieve by themselves. So, even when people say they did, it just doesn't happen. And I know that. So, when you think about mentoring, I was really fortunate early in my career, like six years into my career. I was at IBM. IBM decided they wanted their high potential employees to have mentors. And they were going to ask each of the people to pick who they wanted to be their mentor. So I got one of those calls. I said, great. I picked a guy by the name of Roland Harris, who's a couple levels above me. I knew him. He knew me. And I put his name down. Well, I get a call several days later. And it's Roland. I say, hi, Roland. And he said, Shelly. He doesn't sound very happy. And he says, Shelly, you put me down to be your mentor. And I said, well, yes, Roland, I I thought you liked me. And he said, Shelly, you've got me, go get somebody else. So that's when I learned a couple things. Just in that short conversation, I learned that number one, we have mentors we don't even realize. It does not have to be a formal relationship. Two, if one mentor is good, then multiple is even better, right? So my whole time that I was working, I tried to have as many mentors as I possibly could. And I learned that you don't ask people to be your mentor. People don't respond well to that, mainly because the people you want to be your mentors are typically really busy. So what they see when you ask is time commitment. It's not personal. So I just learned to start treating people like mentors. So I just adopted people. And what I found was that by being a good mentee, People would ultimately claim me.
2: And at the end of the book, um, you have a great chapter, which is called Life Planning 101. I just loved how practical it was. So I just wanted to particularly mention that one. If people are thinking, yes, of course, there's your story, there's some of the practical things that we talked about, but we know that all of our listeners, they love taking action, Shelley. We've got lots of action focused listeners.
1: I'm that, listen, I'm that kind of person too. Hopefully, not just that last section, but hopefully all through the book. You know, I tell a story, so yes, it is. it a book about my different life and work stories? The answer is yes, but that's not the purpose. The purpose isn't that you know what my life was. The purpose is to be able to share how and what strategies work to help you get what you want, right? to help you improve the odds, overcome the obstacles, handle a bad boss, overcome imposter syndrome, I mean, all, all these things that we have to deal with, right, negotiate, It was my desire and my focus for there to be a ton of
2: practical takeaways. We always finish our guest interviews on Squiggly Careers by asking you to share with our listeners your best piece of career advice, which I think for you is probably particularly difficult because there is so much good advice in the book. And even the book ends with a brilliant paragraph that kind of summarises everything. But I am going to put you on the spot and sort of say, if you were going to share just one thing, what would you choose? The one that really was the best is make sure people know what you do. And the second one
1: is if you are not uncomfortable a couple of times a month, then you are not pushing yourself. We learn when we're uncomfortable as we're facing something we haven't done before or an environment we haven't seen before. We are in a situation, right? That's not familiar. I mean, all those things make you uncomfortable and all those things enable you to learn and to grow. So if you are ambitious, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And if you're not, then you're not pushing yourself enough.
2: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Shelley as much as I did. In our next episode of Ask the Expert, you're going to hear Helen in conversation with Seth Godin. And this is one that I can't wait to hear. And I was really jealous about. And I was thinking maybe I could dial in and listen to the conversation until I realized, obviously, like everybody else listening, I'll just be able to listen to it when it goes live next week. I followed Seth's work for years, probably 10 or 15 years now. And I think his book, Purple Cow, was probably the first business book I loved and is still on my shelf today. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. I know that Helen was full of energy and enthusiasm after she'd spoken to him. So I think that bodes really well. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't had a chance to review us or just rate us really quickly, we'd always really appreciate it. You'll know now because every podcast tells you it does make a really big difference. And also we read every single review so it always makes our day. In the meantime, thanks again and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.